My guest today is an author, motivational speaker. She's also a photographer. She's got lots of kids and a wonderful husband. She was sent to federal prison for some uh, crimes having to do with real estate. She's an amazing woman. I met her through social media and I've read her book and her book inspired me to ask her to be on the show. So today we do a background check on Portia Louder. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is is background check you already know let's go you can check my background i'm a forgiving felon so tell them that i won't back down now you can bet i won't live in regret it's time to earn some respect you are tuning in to background check hey everyone welcome to background check podcast where we believe your background shouldn't hold you back it should pay you back and pay you back with interest i believe uh, i'm jaden gum uh, the host, and we're also brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. We're also brought to you by Clarity Roofing and Solar. Visit them today at clarityroofingandsolar.com. Joe Medeiros uh, just took care of us, man. He's put a roof on our on our house before uh, with this new house we got. He uh, just installed solar panels, and we are we're a month in to the solar panels, and we are having fun. We're producing our own energy and selling it back to the grid. How cool is that? And uh, let me let, let me tell you, man, we didn't put anything money, any money down yet. You know, finance it for a long time, but it also adds to the value of your house, and you can add that value when you sell the home. And then you know, people people that buy that buy your your home next is gonna like they move in and they don't have an electric bill because they got solar panels. Man, we have just been joining them. We have a little app that we watch how much produce uh, you know how much electricity we're producing. Uh, it's pretty cool. So call them today or visit them on the website, clarityroofingandsolar.com, and tell them you heard it on Background Check Podcast, all right? Um, so we got some uh, announcements, I think. Let me see. Do I have it here? No, I think I've announced everything. We're, we're Just keep us in your prayers. We are looking for a resource center, a building for a resource center. Uh, we're actually going to split it up and do two two places now so keep us in your prayers on that and um we're actually looking at another house we're in two houses right now that can hold five people each but we we're looking at a house that holds eight people and so we're excited about that and um that's going to be much better for us it's just going to be one house but then because of the city of dallas boarding home regulations and stuff they'll let us have eight people so uh, keep us in your prayers. So you guys listening and uh, waiting to see if we're going to, you know, be out of house at home. Hopefully everything will be approved. Uh, we're, we're done with this lease on the current duplex that we're in May 31st. And we're trying to get everything approved and done so that it can be a smooth transition and we can fill the house back up. So um, we got three guys living there right now and, and uh, they need some company. So, all right. Uh, so all you who are listening in Texas prisons, spread the word. Um, we, we're not, some people say they heard that we're closing down. We're not closing down. We scaled back for a little while, but now we're about to scale back up. So, uh, but be patient on all the application requests because uh, we, we're, we're trying to send as many as we can out and uh, just be patient. All right. 
thank you all and keep us in your prayers because man we're, we're just we're just gonna we really want to do this thing right the housing and the resource center and uh, we feel like god's in it and he's got his hand on it he's ordained it and that uh it's gonna be fun serving you guys in a bigger and better way all right uh let's see my guest uh, i don't have any shout outs right here in front of me so we're gonna have to do them next week but my guest today is portia louder she's an author she's a, a uh, obviously a writer um speaker uh, great speaker and photographer and she's an advocate for prison reform as well so i've gotten to know her in the last few months i've read her book her book is incredible we are trying to uh, see if there's a way she can get her book into the tablets so people can uh, listen to it on Audible. So uh, she's an incredible woman, and she's got a great family and a great husband. Oh, and if you want to purchase her book, go to the show notes and click on the link. Uh, it's on Amazon. I bought, uh, bought it on Amazon, but you can also, if you're an Audible person, go to Audible and listen to it. I listen to it, and she, she reads the book herself, and so it makes it even more uh, it just makes it cooler. So anyway, here's the interview with Portia Louder. All right, Portia Louder, welcome to Background Check Podcast. Thank you, Jay. I'm excited to be here. I am excited to do this interview. I, uh, you know, I, I love LinkedIn because uh, when you put what, when you put in your bio certain things, it actually feeds, fills your feed with like-minded people. And I love that, uh, especially when you start connecting with a lot of people, then you start to, it starts feeding you people that you might be, uh, they're connected, but only one of them are connected to you. And, uh, and so that's how I found out about you. And, um, uh, and I've, I read your book and I was just like, I didn't read your book. I, I bought your book. I have your book <laughs> that I'm probably going to bring to you and have you signed when, when I get to meet you one day. Uh, but. I listen to it on Audible, and uh, and I love it when people are their own voice on their audiobooks, um, because I think it just I think it just I don't know it it, it empowers the passion of the story, and uh, your story is incredible. So I I immediately ask you, and I was humbled when you said yes. So glad you're here. Yeah, me All too. Right, now tell everybody where you're from right now. Yeah, so I live in Utah. And I live actually in Saratoga Springs in Utah, which is not where I wanted to live. And it's where God wanted me to live. And I get to wake up every day and see this lake. It's Utah Lake and it's beautiful, but oh, I, wow. it's kind of out and away from things. So it was, I, I like to run around a lot and that was hard, but it's beautiful. Yeah. It's tough when you, when you, I'm the same way. I, I love the, the country life, but if you take me too far out of the city, uh, mm. I get a little antsy. So yeah. I gotta be, I gotta be like right on the, on the, ver on the cusp of city and country. Um, yeah. but if I'm in front of a lake, that makes it a little bit better. Uh, <laughs> right. that's nice. Does that lake yeah. freeze, freeze over when it gets really cold? Yeah, it does. I was yesterday. It got cold and it was pretty, it was frozen on the edges. So gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> all right. So tell all the listeners, by the way, this is, this is not only we have a great following out here, but we also have a huge following in prisons and jails across America. And, uh, and well, I don't know about prisons and jails in the world uh, overseas, but we do have a large following overseas. Uh, shout out to my Australia group and, and India. People listen from India. But anyway, uh, uh, tell everybody uh, who Portia Louder is now. 
we'll get into who you we'll get into who you were that got you landed in prison but tell tell us what you do since you've been out and everything you've done yeah oh who am i now well i will i'm 51 um i have six children and i have four grandchildren um married to my sweetheart my husband chad we've been married for 25 years and i love the sun nothing makes me happier than just sitting in the sun love nature i'm not like one of those really people always say ah you've been out hiking no that sounds like too much work i just want to go <laughs> you know i think it's great even when i was in prison i did a lot of walking and meditating and praying but i'm not like the girl that's going to go hit the slopes and you know i don't like to work that hard but um yeah and some of the things that i i'm passionate about i guess are I get to go to jails and institutions. I work with kids in foster care and connect with people. And you're yeah. probably one of these people too, but most people are trying to get out of prison and I'm trying to get back in, yes, you know, yes. <laughs> it's like, I just need a good month vacation. I want to go hang out with my homies in prison, <laughs> but um, that's so I funny also- that you say it like that because people think I'm weird whenever, <laughs> especially when I go <laughs> preach, if I'm invited to preach on like a Sunday morning service in prison, I feel like I'm going to preach at my home church. Yep. You know, like, like I'm preaching in front of my home church and then, you know, my church out here is like, no, we're your home church. I'm like, yeah, but (laughs) you know, I I get it, but this is, this feels more like home. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. We had a, we had a church service one time on Easter, one of the last Sunday, the last Sunday I was in prison, I preached, I sang, and it was one of the most powerful not because of me, but just the, uh, the, you know, just the presence of God and everything right. in that service. I never experienced anything out here like right. that service. Right. And especially when you've got a hundred men singing, how great is our God? Uh, right. It's really, it's really cool, but go ahead. Yeah, that's beautiful. No, I know I was, um, I was in Idaho recently at a women's prison and was just sharing my story and connecting with the ladies and and at the end, I just said, man, you guys, you know, it's crazy out there. <laughs> like, enjoy your time, you know, go read a book and connect. The thing that I loved about prison was the connection that we all yes, shared because yes. we didn't have all the distractions. But so, yeah, I love that. Um, which which uh, prison in Idaho? It was the Pocatello Women's Prison. Okay. I went yeah. to I went to an Idaho prison and I don't remember what city it was in. But there was one that had men and women, like in mm. it was like not in the same building, but like only a oh, fence, only a fence separated there. them. Yep. And so yep. I got to speak to the men's and the women's in that unit, but that's not where you were, right? No, but I have been there, and that's great too. Love that prison. <laughs> Idaho, I love Idaho. I don't know. I mean, I live in Utah, but Utah prison's a little bit stricter and so i love so is texas so is texas yeah. i i couldn't believe it when i went to idaho and yeah i've, I've been like to, come on in <laughs> yeah we're just wearing clo- regular clothes and people mm-hmm. have in 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 texas prisons you can have beards now in texas prison but but back back in the day when i was in there you couldn't grow a beard out you couldn't have long hair you couldn't do any of this stuff and i'm just like in idaho i'm like oh my god <laughs> and i went into their recording studio and literally when I, when I walked into their recording studio, they have a whole audio video production course you can take. When right. I went to the recording studio, I didn't know I was in prison because right. the inmates are wearing regular street clothes mm-hmm. and the studio is a well, well-equipped 
mm-hmm. it could rival any studio out out here. And so I was yeah. just like, oh my gosh. And then the and then the lieutenant and somebody else were all looking at the video and they're just critiquing it. I'm like, yeah. man, I've just this could be in any marketing conference yeah. room out here in any. It was just it was it was cool. It's so so not like uh, Texas prisons. We're we're straight. right. So. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I go to Idaho whenever I can. Um, and then I, I also work at a treatment center for women struggling with addiction. And so my, my, and we'll talk more about this, but my career growing up was a, as a photographer. And even when I was in prison, I was taking pictures. Right. And then I came home. I actually just had made these amazing connections and I wanted to go set in the sun and work at a farm with a bunch of ladies that were trying to get off the street. And so I went to get that job and the halfway house is like, oh no, we know you can make more money. You need to go work as a photographer. Nice. <laughs> so I, t- I took the job for a few months and then someone reached out to me and said, Hey, would you come to our treatment center and consider, you know, working here or mentoring people? So I started that. And that is how I wrote my book. I was working there and sharing stories and the, okay. the ladies loved it. And so I started working graves and I just outlined, you know, made an outline and started writing. And so that was, so I still work with women in in addiction and I mentor kids and, you know, mental health therapy right. and stuff like that. Love that. So, so, so you mentioned the book. Uh, so when did you write the book? I wrote, so I got home in 2019. So I'm fresh. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I got to prison, people would say, you're fresh. I'm like, yep. I've been here a year. And they're like, Oh no, girl, I've been here 20 years. You're fresh. <laughs> but yep. yeah, um, I got out in 2019, actually at the end. So right before the pandemic, and then, um, thank God for I, that. Oh yeah. That Ooh, was hard time to federal do. prison did not handle that uh, very well at all. It was tough. All the, all my friends in prison. In fact, so I, it took me a year to, to get myself stabilized. Right. right I have right. kids and family and that whole reconnection out here. Like I did the work in prison and yeah. that, and we'll talk about that, but like, yeah. so I knew I was prepared like in many ways, but it's a lot more like you can get really good at taking care of yourself in prison and then yes. you get out. And when you have a family, and very everything, overwhelming. Like, yeah, it really was. And so it took me like a year to get myself on solid ground. And then I was working at the treatment center and I was overwhelmed at the idea of writing a book. I'm, I was yeah. intimidated. Like, it's like, I, I'm not a writer by trade. I was a blogger. And so I had content and I journaled, but at the same time, my heart was so dang full that I really wanted to capture these feelings and experiences. And so I first, I started writing and sharing with the women at the treatment center and they loved it. And then I started sending it into my friends in prison and they loved it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to publish it, you know? So I wrote it and published in October, it'd be about a year and a half ago. October 15th is when I published it. I all wrote right. it, I wrote it in like six months. So it really didn't take too long. Yeah. That's awesome. awesome. Well, uh, I, I've been trying to write a book for a long time. I don't know why I can't finish it. I don't know. I don't, I'm kind of intimidated too. I'm not, yeah. I'm not afraid of getting on a stage and speaking, but, right. uh, somehow that the, when I sit down it's not necessarily a block, it's just like, I'll be writing, but I'm like, you know, I don't know if it's the devil just saying no one's going to read this crap anyway. You know, why are you even trying, you know, yeah. but, uh, but I think, I think this is the year, this is the year that I finish it. And, uh, people like you have inspired me. Uh, uh, to, 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 to push, push through whatever it yeah. is. that's stopping me. So 
Yep. So thank you. So uh, your book is amazing. And we're going to we're going to get into your story now and do a background check on you. And uh, you you pass. Everybody passes. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, that's why we exist. Background check podcast uh, exists back when the COVID hit. Um, they wouldn't let any of us go back into prisons anymore. So right. and we took some of our transitional house guys who, who did a long term, you know, want to go back and share their story. So I would take them with me. Well, now all of a sudden we all have stories to share and nobody to share them with. And I just felt like God was saying, start a podcast. And I'm like, a start a what? And then that's when I got connected with uh, Zachary Babcock. And, and I'm like, okay, I think I can do this. Bought all the equipment. We did it. And it was just going to get me through uh, till we could go back into prisons again. Right. But, you know, I've been going back into prisons now for over a year and a half. And, and we're still going strong with the podcast because it seems to be touching so many lives. And, uh, and I know this episode, uh, will touch lives too, but I was just like, what do I call it? And then I'm like, okay, well, let's just call it. We're going to be looking at people's stories and digging into their past and talking about their present and their future. And so let's just call it background check and, yeah. uh, and background check has such a negative connotation. I mean, the only reason companies and churches and they do background is to expose negative things in your past. Right. To see well, if there's it, negative things. I think it's traumatic. Like <clears throat> my recently, the the company that employs me had to have background checks for all of their, you know, all their employees. And I get this email, like we're digging deeper into you, <laughs> you know, and they give me this list and on paper, it looks so bad. And I'm yeah. like, but that's not who I am now. Right, and, right. And you guys are just looking at it without any understanding, you know? And I told, I called my boss and I was like, I'm not going to pass and you can just let me go now. You know, it's just so traumatic to even read that garbage. Yes. She's like, no, 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 calm down. We're going to go to bat for you. We want you, you know, cause they know me. Right. I'm like, man, I don't want any agency looking at me just black and white on paper. Cause they don't know my heart. They don't know who I am now. And I even told them, I was like, look me up. This is the work I do. They wanted a whole list of stuff. And I said, I'm not going to send all that, but who I am and the works I do today stand on their own. Yes. If you can't live with that, then that's, and they said, okay, we'll think about it. <laughs> so, like that dang background check, you know? When, when my wife and I got engaged, I was only a couple of years out of, I wasn't even off parole yet. Um, and so she said, I want to live in these apartments right here. And they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're just brand new being built. And they only had like one or two buildings ready to live in. And, and I, and I told her, my wife is, is beautiful. She's amazing, but she has zero criminal record. Yeah. Uh, she got her first traffic ticket ever after our kids start going to school and she, <laughs> she called me bawling. I thought something was wrong with one of our kids. I'm like, what, what's wrong? She's like, I got a traffic ticket picking Jess up from school. I'm like, that's it. I'm like, come on, baby. Welcome to the criminal world. You know, and, uh, but she, uh, but when we were engaged, uh, she said, I'd like to live in these apartments here. And I said, well, I'll try. And she's like, what do you mean you'll try? I'm like, because they may not let us because of my background. And right. so that was the first time that I was able to kind of test God and what he said uh, in prison to me. He said, he said, uh, from this day forward, you're not just a felon, you're a forgiven felon. And, mm -hmm. and that was important for me because, you know, I was asking him, I'm like, Hey, I got this word felon on on my record, no matter where yeah. I go, even if I expunge my records, there's a paper trail that labels me a felon. Can you get rid of this for me? And he says, no, I want you to embrace it. I'm like, right. you want me to embrace this word felon? He said, just because you embrace it doesn't mean you have to let it identify you. And he said, yeah. 
And he said, he said, my son, Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he could have had a, his, his new heavenly body right then, but he chose to keep the scars right. in his hands and feet and his side. He chose to keep the, cause it represent what he went through for somebody yeah. and yeah. what he went through and what he came out of. And if he hadn't had the scars then Thomas wouldn't believe. Because right. Thomas said, unless I can put my fingers in the scars and in his side, I won't believe. And so right. Jesus chose to leave the dirty part of what he went through there visible for all to see. And so uh, I just feel like the word felon is my scar. Right. And, and Jesus's scars pointed Thomas to back to him, to Jesus. And so our scars, I'm not going to try to hide it. I'm not going to try to do anything. Mm -mm. But the word, the word felon is just a noun. You know, yeah. so uh, God was like, I'm going to put this adjective in front of the noun. And this adjective is going to give your noun a new perspective. And that's right. how you're going to tell people who you are now. So in that apartment complex, I went and applied and the lady, the lady, it, it's almost like I just look like a felon. I don't know. <laughs> she turned right to that page. This is before <laughs> they banned the box. She turned mm -hmm. right to the page where it, it it said, have you ever been convicted of a felony? She said, Mr. Gum, I'm sorry. But um, our our property management company doesn't let you know people with felons uh, live here, and mm -hmm. and I begin to to turn my head, duck my head, turn around, mm -hmm. and just put another notch on the rejection belt and walk away. But I felt like that's when God said, "No, you go back in there and ask for a supervisor. Tell them you are not who that word defines you as anymore. Send them mm -hmm. to your website, all that." So I went in there. And I said, ma'am, I said, do you have a, do you have a number of a supervisor maybe that I could call and talk to and just explain that I'm not that person anymore, that that word uh, says I am. And she's like, well, our, our regional vice president's here today and yeah. you want to talk to them. And I said, absolutely. So I did. And I said, look, I'm trying to start. We're, we're choosing you guys. I turned it back on him. I said, we're choosing y'all to start our new marriage journey together. My okay. wife has never been in trouble in her life and she shouldn't have to pay for my past. And, right. and we, we would, we would love, you know, uh, to be able to start our journey here. Yeah. And, uh, and they called me back in two weeks after that, they had to discuss it. And they said, man, we don't ever break this policy, mm -hmm. but we're going to let y'all live in our, we're going to let y'all start your journey out in our apartment complex. Yeah. And, and so that was great, you know? And so uh, a felon, a felon finds rejection, a felon finds, um, you know, uh, rejection at every corner, but a forgiven felon finds favor. And if yeah. somebody says no to a forgiven felon, then that wasn't what God had for him anyway. So, right. yeah. so anyway, um, the book, Oh, you know, we'll, we'll talk more. I'll, I'll holler out more of the book later. Uh, so you speak, you go, you, you go back into jails, prisons, uh, mm -hmm. anything else you do, you, you, you back into, <laughs> you know, I, I did just recently start another photography company, but it's small. It's not going to, cause I will talk a little bit about that, but my life got really chaotic before I went to prison, like really chaotic, you know? So I needed some time. So you're so and, a photographer and, uh, let's see, not, are you, are you doing real estate or anything? Oh no. None of that ever again. Right. None of that ever again. I don't even. Yeah. Cause in my book, like money and drugs are about the same. Like I'm like not trying to make money. I know it sounds crazy, but like my life is very simple. I found some tea. I found strength in prison living simple and oh, I'm all about so true. So yeah. good. So good. Yeah. yeah. When the, when the toilet paper crisis hit out here, uh, <laughs> we were, I was trying to tell everybody, if you don't know a felon, get to know a felon during this toilet. <laughs> Toilet paper because they will show you how to make a roll of toilet paper last all week for a family of three. 
So, uh, you know, and, 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 and then commissary, we were only allowed to eat like, yeah, you know, buy like $150 every two weeks. So, right, or no, right. it was $75 every, every two weeks. So we uh -huh. could live off $150 a month. And, yeah. uh, and so, so yeah, you, you Lots do of learn good skills, right? You learn to live, live simple. So, all yeah. right. So you, you haven't always, you know, been who you are in the past few years. Um, uh -huh. and so let's, let's go back into your background and talk a little bit about where, no, I mean, how, how did you grow up? What was your family life like? And then just kind of lead into those years where, uh, everything kind of unraveled, uh, you know, addiction and, and, and everything. Yeah. Well, I'm the oldest of seven children and which, yeah, <laughs> a lot. And I grew up in the country in small town in Southern Utah. And my parents were, my mom is, was this amazing photographer, really talented actress and no structure. Like she was kind of a hippie. She believed in like, let the kids figure it out on their own. And my dad was a Vietnam vet. So it's like wow. Forrest Gump. Yeah. They were really <laughs> totally opposite. And there was some contention because of that. But um, I, I recently, it was funny because my brother, I was talking to my brother recently. He goes, do you remember when I started third grade? And I said, no, I'm a lot older than you. He's way younger. And he goes, yeah, he was most of us didn't start school until we wanted to. <laughs> he goes, so he goes, I was playing baseball with some neighbors and they didn't pick me for their team. And I said, Hey, I'm a good player. Why didn't you pick me? And they said, cause you don't even go to school. He said the next day, <laughs> the next day I got on the bus with my friends and went to the school and the principal said, what are you doing? He goes, I want to start school. He goes, your mom has to come here and help you get signed up. Oh, you know? wow. So we just so had funny. no yeah. So our life was very lack of structure. And I think that I struggled with that, honestly, as like the oldest child, I kind of was frustrated and became the so-called parent. Like right. somebody has to set the boundaries, you know? And by the time I was 13, I was looking, you know, outside myself for my first struggle was relationships. Like yeah. I was getting involved with older boys and my I was pregnant by the time I was 17 with my first child. And so I was a young mom, single, broke, moved out, lived in a low income apartment. And I didn't really see uh, much future as far as school or anything. I didn't, I dropped out of high school. And, and then I, um, I remember thinking, I just got to find the right guy, like the right. right man will make it all okay. Right. So I married a guy that was 10 years older than me. He told me like on our second date, you ought to marry me because I can take care of you. <laughs> so, so a month later I did, you know, so neither of us were making the best decisions, oh, real committed wow. relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and about that time, my dad started working in, um, he got a job in Salt Lake, which is the city. I had never been to the city. I'd never been on an airplane. Like I, I had a pretty small life, you know? Wow. And so I came up to visit my parents and I remember thinking, wow, like I could get a job, you know, I could have a life. And I told my husband, I went back and said, we should move up there. You know, I could work as a photographer. He's like, yeah, I'm never leaving this town, but we could get divorced anyway. So our, our marriage and our divorce was equally committed. He's like, cause we're not getting along. You might as well just go, you oh, know? Wow. So I moved up and then started working as a photographer and then found out I was pregnant again. So for me, like I get pregnant. <laughs> Some people, <laughs> I have babies, you know, I, I was no talking to women. In, yeah. Oh, I tell the women in prison. I'm like, and then I got pregnant. Cause that's what I do. Like I just have babies, you know? <laughs> so I, I remember feeling pretty alone, 
through that yeah. pregnancy yeah. and I was working and, um, and then when I had my daughter, because I'm thinking again, you know, I got to get the right marriage is going to solve right. my problems. Yeah. And so I start dating again and I got pregnant again. And so this, this was terrifying for me. I was about 23 years old. I have two children. I'm a single mom. I'm no child support. And I'm trying to take care of this little, these, this little family of mine. My I'm living with my parents, find out I'm pregnant. And that's the first real prayer I ever said. It was just like, mm -hmm. you know, heavenly father, I don't know what to do, man. I'm scared. I I'm not a great mom to these kids. And then I just felt this total warmth come over me. Like, wow. you know, I knew that the child, I knew he was going to be a boy. I knew that I needed to give him up for adoption. Like I just knew that was the right thing. And, and my mom was like, that would be too hard. Let me raise him. And I said, mom, you didn't even raise me, man. Oh. Like, no. <laughs> you know. And she agreed. She's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> she's pretty open about her, you know, your unique, unique nature. So. Um, so I went through that process and, you know, it was great because the family was amazing and they really supported me and they were there the day he was born. And then as soon as I had David, I just felt completely empty inside. Like I did not know, you know, trauma. I didn't have that like total relationship with God, like knowing who I was to him, which is the solution. But at that right. point I just went to Percocet, you know, yeah. started out with Percocet and, um, and became addicted. And then it, and then I hit street drugs, lost my job and ended up coming home late one night. My son was waiting for me crying. And my mom just said, you should leave. If you can't take care of this little boy, it's all he wants is you. Mm. And, and so that, that is when I just, I hit the floor in prayer. You know, I just laid there begging God, like, help me, help me out of this. I don't know. How, I don't know what to do. I can't stop. And the next day I walked across the street to a guy that was involved in AA <clears throat> and asked for help. And I started on that journey of, you know, started to live a more principle centered life. It was yeah. like this guy had recovery. I mean, when you go into an AA meeting, I don't know if you've been to AA or yep. if you go to the 12 step meetings, but it's like when people are standing there and they've got two years sober and they've been through some of the same garbage you've been through, it's like, there's a way out for me, yep. you know? Yep. And so it, it gave me hope and it was the hardest thing. Like I was praying, I was reading scriptures, I was going to church, going to meetings. And sometimes I would dream about drugs and I would crave the lifestyle, but I was very committed to changing my life and, yeah. and life just got beautiful. I mean, yeah. it really does in recovery, you know? What were some so, of the things that you would do when the temptation or the dreams and the temptations were so strong? What were yeah. some of the things you would do in the moment to resist? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I had a few experiences like that. Like, I think for me, the hardest part was I didn't know what I was fighting for. Like, I right. didn't know how beautiful my life would get. And right. I, I feel like when anybody comes in coming off drugs, it's like, you're so used to fixing the pain with, with a substance right then and there, but there's some, something so much more beautiful down the road, yes. you know? And so I would listen when people would tell me, I didn't trust my own thinking. So I went to a lot of meetings. 
I remember one time locking myself in the bathroom. Like this sounds crazy, but I was just like, I want to use drugs. And I know if I leave this house, it's, you know, the places I've been and the people I've seen, it was just, I felt like I had to use. And so, but that passed, like I just sat there and it passed. Um, I remember talking to my dad and my dad telling me like, you know, this is a one day thing. Like you today, I said, dad, I have failed. I have failed my kids. I failed myself. And he's like, if you just start simple, you know, put that stuff aside. And today you go for a short walk with your kids today. You read a few pages in a book with your kids. You know, you, I got a job like that really helped. It wasn't a great job. It was like, I was a telemarketer or something, but I, but it was a reason to get up in the morning, you know? So that helped. Um, Meetings helped a lot. One time I remember just like I was hot, like I just wanted to go use. And I went to the store and got stuff to make cookies, like anything to distract myself, you know? Uh, And the thing that's beautiful about recovery, like about six months in, I was sitting at the zoo with my son. It was the first time I'd been on a field trip. And I was like, I wanted to scream, like, look at me, I'm being a good mom, you know? It's like all of a sudden this it's God, but I felt this total knowing that if he is the creator of everything, this universe, all these animals, everything, he can solve my problems. Yes, you know? yes amen. So it was, you know, it's funny when you mentioned uh, cookies, um, we have a, a previous guest on our show is, is uh, Kelsey Marrera. And she has, um, she, bit, she got clean in 2015. And mm-hmm. she said, one of the things that she resorted to, in her house just on a daily basis was her love of baking mm-hmm. and it kind of like took her mind off all the other stuff that she, you know, was, was getting clean from. And yep. she started a business called dope D O U G H. And it's basically just raw cookie dough. And she started making them in big bags and selling them on a little, at a little kiosk on the corner. And yeah. she eventually had a brick and mortar store uh, when COVID hit, uh, she she actually went on Shark Tank before COVID hit, trying to get money for the brick and mortar store. Uh-huh. Uh, they rejected her because of uh, it wasn't a healthy, you know, because she was selling like bags of dope, little <laughs> 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 cookie, cookie dough balls and right. pints and pints. So uh-huh. you know, it was so funny. But she got rejected. The reason I knew about her story was because we love Shark Tank and we were watching it, and they said we have an update on uh, Kelsey Marrera and, and dope. And mm-hmm. uh, they said, but this, this is a unique update because she did not get a deal. They usually give yeah. updates on the deals. And, uh, but we, you know, we rejected her deal, but she went on after they rejected her, went on to do like $7 million in sales. Oh, uh, that's when, right. when, when COVID hit, they, uh, they went totally e-commerce, you know, everything was online. They got rid of the warehouses, but they told her, you know, uh, they, they took it. She took their advice. They said, if there was just smaller portion sizes, mm-hmm. you know, instead of these big old bags and pints and all this stuff. So she came up with dope bites and it's a smaller and, but it's, that. it's raw cookie dough, but it doesn't have the egg. It's an egg substitute. So it's, it's safe. Uh, yeah. And you can either eat it raw or you can actually bake them, uh, bake them into cookies That's and, right. uh, or the pint you could just eat with a spoon, like ice cream. And so, uh, but she has turned that into, and then she gives like, uh, I can't remember what, like 1% of all of her profits to a, a, a women's recovery foundation called she recovers. Yeah. And uh, so it's just funny that you mentioned, you know, I'm gonna go <laughs> cookies. <laughs> now this, <laughs> we just ordered more. Cause she's got everything with her is recovery and mental health. And, yeah. uh, and so, yeah. 
Uh, it's really cool because you could order a sober birthday box and it's got a cookie <laughs> dough box in there to celebrate your sober birthday. So, so it's, pre- it's pretty cool. It's look pretty her cool. Up. Yeah, look her yeah. up. If you if you buy any on the on the website, put in background check and you'll get five dollars off. Shameless right plug, but but if you do, if you do, but, but anyway, that made yeah. me think of that. She's an awesome woman, just like yourself. And uh yeah, uh so, cool. so so let's let's uh where 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 did it really all start going wrong for you? Oh well, you know, I'm gonna first give you a quick where it went right, like where it went right. I did I quit looking for men because I figured they might not be the solution. It hadn't okay. worked so far. Yeah, because you got because you got you got you got your head right and heart right a little bit before you went into prison. So well, well, yeah, I did. And then I married my husband. He like and I wasn't looking at all, but gotcha. he he uh he's a great man. He adopted my kids. We got married and I had four and a half years clean and life gets beautiful when you're clean. And I'm Absolutely. so grateful. Like, man, I'm grateful that I had that knowledge. I had that experience. Cause I, you know, I've had people say when you got to prison, why didn't you get angry and, and mad at God? And I was like, God was my only way out. Right. I was like, man, faith crisis that's reserved for people out here. When you're in prison, you don't got no faith crisis. That's all you got is God. That's right. You know? That's right. <laughs> But at this point, um, my life, uh, I mean, my business grew, my family grew, because that's what I do. You know, yep. Chad and I had a couple <laughs> kids. <laughs> and so um, after now at that I time, had, at that time, you said your business grew. What was your business at that time? I was a photographer. Still a photographer? So, okay. Yeah. So I started my own company. I had been working for family. And just to give you <clears throat> an idea, like I went from 20 weddings my first year to 200 weddings two years later. Yeah. So I have employees and my, I'm shooting like engagements, bridals, families, all kinds of commercial stuff. My business is just going crazy. And I, and I have two kids. So I have a nanny taking care of those kids and, and life was chaotic, you know? And the problem for me is that, um, I, I had a back surgery and relapsed. And when I use drugs immediately, my brain, it's like, Oh, this is the way you're supposed to feel right. Like it tricks me. And then the next thing that happens is I like to hustle. So like, I like to be in the mix of doing deals and business. And, and so um, we built a new home, the market was going crazy. And I remember thinking, I got to slow down with photography. If I just paid off our house, well, I'll flip a couple lots. And it started with, with real estate that way. And then I remember the first time a, a man showed me this, um, pull a, buy a house and pull the equity out and invest it in something else. It's kind of a real estate Ponzi scheme. And I thought I would never do that. Like you can feel it, you know, you can yeah, feel it. Like yeah. whether people say it's not illegal, or whatever, it just didn't make sense, but I kept using and I didn't get honest. Like I just didn't get honest with myself or my husband. And, and then eventually I got involved in these illegal real estate deals. So, yeah. Well, um, and, and that's the reason you went to, you went to prison yeah. Uh, but let's talk about, uh, I mean, I don't know how much you want to talk about leading up to, uh, finally getting sentencing, but I know today, uh, we're not airing this on February 16th, but we're interviewing on February 16th. And I know this is a, uh, yeah. day back in 2000, what year? 14 or 15, 15. Yeah. That was, that was pretty crazy. Um, right. that was pretty crazy. So let's talk about just that you know, in the book, you talk about the, and we have several other federal, uh, federal, former federal inmates on our show. Yeah. They talk about their court, their court and their trial and everything before uh, prison. 
way uh-huh. different than state people do. Uh, right. <laughs> it, it just seems a little more hectic, chaotic, drawn out, everything. So, you know, mm-hmm. talk about the days, you know, the whole, you know. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, leading up to prison, like it was a long drawn out process to like these real estate transactions took place in like 2005, 2006, the market tanks in 2008. And the FBI is investigating me and I'm not even indicted until 2011. So like I'm spending every dime we have to avoid going to prison and to right. avoid an indictment. And, and it's terrifying. I mean, just honestly, when the FBI shows up and starts asking your neighbors questions and you questions, it's like, you know, um, it was terrifying and, yeah. and I handled it really bad. Like, I don't know how people do handle it good, but if I could go back, you I would just say, Oh yeah. I just say, this is what I did. Let's own it and move on. Cause that's where your power lies and just getting super honest and just facing it and saying, well, it happened. Let's just deal with it. Instead I'm denying it and making excuses. And, and by the time I walked into a federal courthouse, I had made everybody mad (laughs) and I was mad. (laughs) You know, we were all mad. (laughs) It's crazy. Cause when I, when, when you, when you, when you read it in the book, you're just like, Oh my gosh, this girl pissed everybody off. Everybody, I did. Man, did I? Yeah, <laughs> and I, I was didn't, like, uh, what I was, was, I was like, I was like, how many more people can she make mad in this process? I made uh, everybody mad. I made everybody mad, and and I was mad, <laughs> just mad. I think I asked the FBI to take a lie detector test. I was pissed. I was like, you guys are liars, you know. And that went over really well. <clears throat> and so, <laughs> so then I'm. I'm sitting in the courtroom. It was a shock for me to walk in. Yeah. It was the most sterile, shocking, like, whoa. It just, it. I guess, too, because I had been in denial about things and the reality of my situation and the loneliness that I felt, it was, it just hit me hard. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of women in prison that are tough girls that have curled up like a ball and cried in their yeah. cell for days after being sentenced. It's like when they say the United States of America versus Portia louder, the feeling of man, yeah. my whole country's against me. You know, it's a very lonely feeling. And um, yeah. Yeah. Cardell Sims, you know him. Uh, yeah. we're, we're about to go into some prisons with him. The, in his interview, he said, he said that same thing. He yeah. said that where it all changed for me was when I, I stopped going to state prison and went to federal prison yeah. and I saw the top of that paper. And it's yeah. United States of America versus Bruce Cardell. Cardell Sims. Sims. <laughs> he said everything changed for me at that point. And, uh, you know, uh, so uh, let's talk a little bit about your mental health, you know, yeah. during that process before you were sentenced and all that. I mean, you were struggling pretty bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, but talk yep. about that. And um, yeah, I had a full on mental breakdown. Um, and, you know, for me, it was a combination of obviously I'm using a lot of prescriptions and the fear and the terror. And I've got lawyers telling me, I don't trust my lawyers. I don't trust the government. I don't trust anybody. And I've got these kids and my husband, is my husband going to stay? Who will I be the whole, if I become a felon, I've worked so hard from that single mom to become this woman. Like who's going to, how can I recover from the, it felt like somebody was trying to kill me. Like that's how it felt, you know? And I was fighting to the death and a couple of, um, a couple of weeks before I was going to trial. Now I'm really grateful. I didn't go to trial, but I was planning to go to trial and I shut down. Like I couldn't 
talk anymore. My words got jumbled up and um, my lawyers had asked me to come to this meeting and my husband's sitting with me and there's lawyers all around the table and they're going back and forth. And finally I just stand up and walk out and everybody's like, what is happening? I'm like, I'm checking out my husband still. He goes, okay. He goes, I guess we're done. And they're like, Portia, Portia. And I just was like, I'm checking out now. Like I'm done, you know? And that's how that went. So, and they and they um, were they were they were trying to uh, if I remember correctly in one of uh, in and I think in those chapters it talks about you talk about they were trying to just get you to plead guilty and yeah. that if you don't and you choose to go to trial or whatever they're going to put you in this uh, holding facility and not let you go right uh, that's talk, what happened yeah so they so what happened was um, my lawyers and the government asked the judge to put me in the county jail and do a mental evaluation, which they can't do until they ship you. So like I literally spent 10 days setting in a, in a county jail in Utah and I was in isolation and I hadn't been to jail and they put me in the green suit or whatever, you know, and the suicide cell. And I was not okay. I was very vulnerable and scared. And I, I didn't even know my name. Like by the mm. time I got out of that, I was shaken so bad. And at that point they cuff you and chaplain you and throw you on con air to ship me to the next place. And then yeah. the next place was trying to explain to me what was going on. And I was just totally terrified. And then I finally made it to a uh, SeaTac where they do that evaluation and they gotcha. determined that I was competent to stand trial. Um, but when I got back to Utah, the, the judge basically said that, uh, I was a danger to myself or others. And so he was going to leave me in, in there. And my, my mental state was really bad. Like yeah. I even knew that it was cause I felt very paranoid. Like everybody's watching me at all times. And so uh, my lawyer told me that day, she said, they're going to force you to take schizophrenia medication. They're going to, they're going to dope you up, you know? And, and I said, well, I'm not schizophrenic. Like I don't have that diagnosis. And she said, yeah, but that's what's coming. And I said, if I plead guilty today, will they let me out today? And she said, yes. So I pled guilty. Now I still think that was a total blessing because it ended up that, I mean, if I would have gone to trial, although I don't know, my lawyers had told me if I went to trial and lost, I probably would have got eight years and I got seven. So it could have been not that different, but in the end, I, I, I made some mistakes and pleading guilty was the right thing, but they did have to break me pretty good to get that guilty plea right. yeah i was like so. wow she's holding out uh really good <laughs> she loses I, her. yeah i was stubborn i am stubborn and there's pros and cons to that for sure <laughs> so uh so is it was it the was it that day february 16th where somebody got shot in the courtroom well you know was so that a no, different day that was like a so what happened was um, right before my guilty plea, I was set standing in the courtroom and yeah, a guy stood up in the courtroom next door and the marshal shot him like eight times. And so then they take him out the court. You know, I walk out. I mean, you can imagine why I had yes. a mental breakdown. I'm watching them shoot a guy that's standing there going to trial. And I'm like, what am oh, I next? Yeah, like, exactly. keep your weapons holstered, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was terrifying. And so all of it, I got very paranoid. Um, but no, they let me out, um, after I pled guilty and then I had some time before I was sentenced. So I, you know, February 16th was when I walked in and that was the day that I stood before the judge and, and he gave me 84 months in federal prison. Yeah. So, uh, you know, 
I feel like I know Chad. I'd love to meet him, meet you in person and meet him one day because I know how important um, family and spouses, especially spouses and children, um, are during a prison sentence because they do the time with you, even though they're not inside the bars with you. They do the time. It's as much of prison for them as it is for for us inside the, the prison. Um, but, but talk about, talk about that time. I know you have a whole chapter dedicated to it, but, yeah. but, but saying the goodbyes, you know, yeah. um, uh, that was, I, uh, I, I teared up, you know, yeah. just listening to you and, and you even teared up, I think on that part. Yeah. Um, but talk about that and how, just how much family having a, having a tight knit family that is for you, uh, kind of helped you in the long oh, run. Yeah. I know it was still hard on you in the beginning, but you know, sure. just knowing that they're there for you and that they believed in you. And cause I, I, I met so many guys in prison, uh, that their wife left them, you know, yeah. while, during the same with me. Prison. Yeah. So. You know, it's, um, Chad's love for me is sacred. It really is, you know, next to who I am to God, his belief and faith in me had a huge impact on the woman that I have become. Cause he could see me, he could see who I could become before I could see it in myself. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. It's pretty sacred. And so, you know, I had something to fight for and uh, I knew when we stood in that courtroom and he stood up and he asked the judge to give me time to say goodbye to my kids. I knew, I didn't know what it looked like, but I knew we were going to get through it together. Yeah. And, and, um, I, I got eight weeks to say goodbye to my children and my life was never the same. It never has been from that day because all of a sudden I could see how foolish I had been to think money mattered. Like I just, the whole world changed that day for me and, you know, saying goodbye to my children, um, watching my kids sleep, taking my son to school, all of the simple things that I had taken for granted became so sacred and special for me. And, and then Chad drove me to Dublin, California, you know, I said goodbye to my kids and he drove me there and dropped me off and talk about like, I don't know anyone that's ever walked into prison. It's like devastating. (laughs) And no, you know, the girls there, I mean, I was so dang broken and they're like, you're going to get through it. You You know, I I mean, you didn't even come out of yourself for how long? Three days. Yeah. Yeah. Three days. And they were like, Hey, they're going to throw you in suicide if you don't move, you know? Now I didn't share in this book, but I had an experience like about three days in where I was just so broken in my bunkies. Like you got to move, you got to get up. And I said, go away. And I said, I got on my knees and I said the most important prayer I've ever said in my whole life, which was God. I feel like nobody to anybody. Mm-hmm. I have failed everyone in my life. I can't do this. I don't, I need to know who I am to you. And I felt this incredible amount of love, more love than I've ever experienced in my whole life. And I could see sitting there in that cell so broken that I had an incredible, important purpose on this earth. And I could see how loved and valued I was. And I could see that every woman in that prison was so valued and loved and who we really are to him is what I needed to know. So I still had four and a half years of prison time to do, and it was hard, but knowing who you are to God changes the game. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. All right. Well, talk about the, talk about the time where you kind of like, you know, things just changed where you started going from just being there to investing in other people. Well, yeah, I had a few experiences, you know, I, 
early on, I had to go and have a pretty serious conversation with myself and just say, get it together. Cause I'm not doing well, you know, and I'm walking around the track and I'm like, Portia, you need to get it together. <laughs> People are thinking, who is that crazy lady walking around the track <laughs> talking to herself? It happened more than once. Yeah. Cause I was like, I got to pull out, you know? And, and that was, you know, I, I remembered a therapist telling me, you know, yeah, it would be hard to go to prison, but you could still become an amazing person in prison, you know, in your addiction out here, you can't become an amazing person because you're disconnected from everyone and everything you love, but in prison sober, you could become an amazing person. Now that's, that that's would, one of the most powerful things in your whole book. There's a lot of, right? a lot of powerful nuggets in your book, but when you said that, I was just like, oh my gosh, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you don't want to hear those things because I didn't want to go to prison, but when you're sitting there in prison to realize your power, that you can become an amazing person in prison. I was like, yes. And that guided me, man. I made a list. I wrote, I started working on my soul, you know, and my character because I, I could become an amazing person. Every yeah. single person in prison can do that, you know? Yes. Yes. So that Talk was about really Talk about some of the relationships you uh, developed in prison because you just, I, and I love wow. the way you talk about some of the the people you connected with in prison, but just pick a couple and talk about them oh, yeah. and uh, what they meant to you. Yeah. Well, early on, <clears throat> early on this gal, I share about it in my book, but this, she's like six foot eight, like tall, too tall, <laughs> too tall. And no, nobody's going to mess with too tall. Like she's just, she's quiet. She's calm, but she, you don't mess with her. Right. And I'm like, she's like, what's the matter? And I said, I don't know how to do my laundry. You know, <laughs> she's like, come on, baby girl. She walks over. She's like, y'all better give Porsche two spots for her laundry. And everybody's just like done. You know, I love it. Love it. <laughs> I was hoping you would mention her. She's yeah. that was great. I love that. I just loved her. And the thing is, people think of people in prison as these tough, mean people. She was so tender and kind. Yeah. You know, she was loyal. And I'd sit there with her and she'd cross stitch and we'd talk. And I I mean, I built these relationships with people that was so different than what they say out here, the shows yes. that they, you know, so different. Um, I met I mean, I love too tall. When I got to Minnesota, my, I met two women. I met a ton of people that I love. My roommate, yeah. Sonia, um, Christina Beller, who had lost everything and was nothing but kind. And she and I, I just, this morning she was texting me. We're like best friends and her life is so beautiful, oh. you know, just so beautiful. And I, I really challenged somebody to find someone like you couldn't find a better person who wow. had nothing and worked wow. so hard and the kind of employee and person that she is out here, I would take her over anybody because of her suffering and her Man, strength. And, wow. You know? We need so. to get her on the podcast too. I know she's amazing. She really is. I, I mean, I, I was like, as you were talking about people in the book, I'm like, man, these are what I'll make great guests as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, let me see here. There's one part of the book. I want to talk about the battle of the units. Oh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was a big thing in yeah. um oh man, when you're at Wasika, the officers were pretty good at having like softball games and things like that and we had this event. My husband calls it the Prison Olympics, you know. <laughs> He's like <laughs> That's good. But That's we funny. we had this uh it was called the Battle of the Units. And so over 4 weeks, we would compete like in and everything. It was card games and foot races and basketball tournaments and softball and the hula hoop competition and the hula hoop. 
And the thing for oh, me is yeah. I am like a country girl. So I spent a lot of time just doing those kinds of things with my brothers and sisters. And so I know I'm pretty good with the hula hoop, yeah. but I mean, it's prison and there's like really good dancers and people that know how to like they're athletes, you know? So I sign up because in my mind, I'm like, my girls want me to represent and I'm, you know, and I love my unit. And then I start watching these games and I'm like, Oh no, these guys I am probably going to encounter some poor sportsmanship, right? Like I do not want to get screamed and yelled at. I am so signing off and I, and they wouldn't let me out. I, I went down and I was like, Hey, take me off the list. And she's like, not a chance. I'm like, no, really? I'm scared. She goes, it's okay. You'll get over it. I'm like, <laughs> no, nobody feels sorry for you in prison, you know? No. And so I, um, you need, you need people. We need people like that in our life. that won't. Oh, we really do. I, I mean, that's, there's so many things about prison that I have, I found to be so beneficial, you know, and, and that them doing that prompted you to do something. And so that's yeah. when you went outside or wherever you went. Oh, yeah. January, and yeah. you, and, and people don't understand how much, how, how important self-talk is. Oh. And, and especially in those moments when you would get aside, get by yourself, whether you're out on the track or whether you're in this moment and yeah. you just start talking to yourself and yep. uh, people, people underestimate, you know, oh. um, they think, they think it's crazy to talk to yourself, but, uh, uh -uh. but in that moment it helped you. <clears throat> yeah. I, <clears throat> when I saw the 16 girls I was competing with that hula hoop competition, it, my heart sank. I'm like, these girls are really good. And my team is miss louder. What are we going to do? How are we going to, and I said, give me a minute. <laughs> so I walk outside and I'm walking the track and I am praying, man, I'm calling down the powers of heaven. <laughs> I'm like, help me do my best. I don't care if I win, just help me do my best. And then I did our little creed because every morning the girls in my unit, we would, you know, each day is a new beginning. And we had this little creed we did. So I'm walking around the track. Then I go in and I sit down and we say a prayer. And then each of the girls go in for the, this competition in heats. And every one of them lasts about 10, 15, 45 seconds. Cause this is not like a normal hula hoop competition. Yeah, this is yeah. hard hula hoops. Right. So, so I'm, it's my time to go in and I go in. And I don't need, I tuned out everything. Like I am yeah. in the zone, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I made it 33 minutes on the floor. I am like, and I got girls screaming at me, you know, take that old lady out. I'll give you 50 bucks <laughs> yeah. commissary to take her out. You know, So the, the, the final lady that was with you was somebody that you knew or you recognized oh, yeah. from another unit. Yeah. Right. No, I knew, I knew her from Dublin, California, and she was the choreographer for every event. Like she, this girl can dance like a, she, she was so pissed at me the next day. She's like, I cannot believe you made me go that long. Cause she was, she was young, she was fit and she was good. And I was, I got so much respect for this competition. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like I am a legend <laughs> I on that a, comment. <laughs> I have a lot more respect for hula hoop competitions now. And I didn't even know you're supposed to have respect for hula hoop competitions. Um, <laughs> but I mean, y'all were tied until y'all yeah. just kept going until they started making y'all walk. Right. Right. And, and then, then I that's dropped. when, that's when you dropped. Yeah. And so, uh, wow, yeah. man, cool. <laughs> man, I think another chapter I want to talk about, um, is ride or die. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, my friend, um, Lisa Burnson, and it's funny because we actually live in her home right now. Like she and I are homies, you know, best friends. 
Um, but when I came to prison, like Lisa was the one that showed up on my doorstep after I was sentenced and everyone yeah. else didn't know what to say. It was on the news. Right, People are right. like, what do we say? And Lisa's just like, I'm just here to cry with you. Yeah, what can so I do? Good. Yeah. And so, and then like, people wanted to come see me, but it's a big old hassle with the federal system to go through the process. But Lisa's like, I'm going to see her like three times. Lisa came to see me in prison, wow, you know? Wow. So, and then when I got out, she was like, we went up to her cabin and we just, she said, tell me, tell me like everything. And I said, you know, Lisa, it wasn't what people thought of me. It wasn't even being separated from my kids. Like it was what I thought of myself that was yeah. the hardest part. Like for me to really face my stuff and what I had done and free myself. Like I had to like really humble myself and acknowledge these mistakes because yeah. that's where your power lies is through that accountability. And then I was able to rebuild my integrity, yeah. you know? And so that's been um, our relationship. Having those friends and people that believe in you is a huge deal, you know? She deal. even, she even took, didn't she help take care of do something? She took for my kids? whole family. Yeah. Lisa was there through everything. She still is. She's just that yeah. amazing. Like she's been, she, she is. It's so good because yeah. some of those, some of, I mean, when I went to prison, I guess you kind of figure out who really, I don't want to say who loves you. Cause there's a lot of people that loved me that just didn't have time or money to right. drive four and a half hours. I mean, I get it, but, but you know, um, you could write, you know, you could do yeah. small things you could do. You find out who really, uh, how do I word it cares for you or, or you find out what level people care about you. Right. Um, and then you find out whether you have a ride or die or not. And, uh, so, so yeah, I, I get that. Um, you know, the chapter, um, on lead sled dog really was so much fun <laughs> to read. Uh, because, you know, when I got out of prison, I had started a Bible study. I had done so many things and, and I, it, it wasn't till I left that I, that I felt the full impact of the people yeah. that God allowed me to touch while I was there. Right. And, and it, it wasn't till that week when everybody knew I was leaving. And, and it kind of like when, when, you know, when they were calling you the lead sled dog and, and, uh, <laughs> and stuff, I, so talk about, talk about, talk about that chapter a little bit. Oh yeah. Well, the thing is, you know, and you've been to prison, so you get it, but <clears throat> there's just, a there's like this fun innocence about being in these situations together. Right. And so, I mean, you know, it still blows my mind that I would go stand there waiting for them to open the dang, you know, the, the doors so that I could run to the kitchen and get our food first. Like, <laughs> so we're just packed in and, you know, one of the things that I found to be beneficial for me was rather because we had little headphones, we could listen to some music on our radio or whatever. But I, I had written myself like a mission statement and kind of who I believed I was and what my plan was in life. And it wasn't based on any money stuff. It was just like, you know, the kind my character, my integrity. Yeah. And so I would go through that in my mind. And things just started to get out of hand this particular time, you know, and we got a lady up the front and it's hot and we're waiting. And so we come up with a plan. <laughs> and one of the, you know, that got this lady, she's like 65 years old and she's like, louder, you're our lead sled dog. You take us right to the kitchen. And then she looks over at this other lady and she says, Hey, she goes, you in the wheelchair. 
And she goes, yeah. And she goes, we're going to use you to block the other unit, you know? And she's like all in. She's like, let's do this. So we're like waiting for those doors to open. And it wasn't until later that I just laughed and laughed out loud that yeah. here we are, this group of women, you know, and I mean, I don't know. You can call us gangsters if you want, but we are just a bunch of girls <laughs> yeah, having fun, yeah, you know, yeah, we're yeah, racing yeah. to the chow hall. And I, I mean, that's the, that's the stuff that I remember. You know, I, I shared in my book at the end of my sentence, I remember sitting there on this bench and watching this, this group of women and they're all standing together laughing and dancing and break dancing and giggling. And here's a group of women that have suffered so much trauma. And yeah. I just saw them as these little girls having fun. They were experiencing a childhood they never got to experience. And that was the beauty of, of the experience. It wasn't about, you know, the hardcore people can say what they want about prison, but I felt prison made me soft. Prison yeah. taught me to love, you know? So. Yeah. I tell people all the time, prison, prison and being thrown into solitary confinement in while I was in prison yep. is what, is what finally broke me. And, yeah. and I, and I needed to be broken. There was nothing yep. out here pre-prison. There was nothing out here that was going to break me. I ran off a bridge with a 0.267 blood, blood alcohol level, three times right. the legal limit. Uh, right. I should have died that night. Uh, but that's still, as soon as I could get out of bed, I started drinking again. Yep. Uh, so nothing out here was going to break me. Uh, and, and it really in prison at, at first, nothing was going to break me. I was still, right. I was still hard headed, hard hearted. Uh, until I got into that fight and got thrown in the hole for eight days, you know, and that's, that's when I become, that's when I became broken. And, uh, you know, and, uh, I, I, man, um, the, the chapter visit with Chad. Oh yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of, um, it was pretty tough. We had, we'd done this together. I didn't get to see Chad a lot because I was in Minnesota when I got transferred back to, uh, when I got transferred back to California, they told me right away I was going to be able to go home May 9th, which was exciting because my son was graduating high school and I had missed his high school and my kids were waiting and my husband was waiting. And I was like, don't bother coming out to visit me because I'm coming home. Yeah. And then on May 7th, they called me in and said, yeah, we're keeping you three more months. And that, that broke my heart. I mean, you're already out, my but that broke my heart when I heard it because I was just yeah. like, you know, if you've been there, what that feels like, and there's not anything that you can do. I felt physically sick and really brokenhearted. Like I would go over to the chapel and just cry. I was just like, God help me. Like I did everything you asked me to do. And in my mind, God can fix this, you know? And, and then I had um, a volunteer come in and pray with me. And that volunteer, he's just like, you know, Portia, God wants to give you so much more than three more months of freedom. Like he has plans for you. He knows you, he knows your strength and, and you will. And he told me, he's like, you won't forget. You won't forget what you've been through. And I was really been praying about that. Like I didn't want to forget what I've been through. And so I called Chad and I said, you should come see me. You know, I haven't seen you for a long time. And it was crazy. Like I, I just started crying even before he got there, just that tenderness and love I felt for him. And And when we got in that room together, I remember I put my hand on his cheek and he's like, he just, he said, I needed this. I needed Mm, to feel, I needed to know what we have to fight for, you know? And I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for something much stronger than this earth can divide, you know, the power of love and the power of God. Like that's not something that anyone can take. And, and, you know, the day that I walked out of prison was like, it was 
so beautiful. It was yeah. like, it's like better than the day I got married, man. It was yeah. just like so special. And I was leaving so much behind. I mean, I love those women. And I felt like, I mean, they were cheering me on. And, and one of my best friends, she walked up and she goes, congratulations on becoming an amazing person. And that was beautiful. I love that. Do you have any nicknames yeah, in cool. prison? Yeah, I, well, obviously I was always called louder, but, um, but I got called the sunshine girl quite a bit because I would just sit there in the sun. <laughs> and I remember at the end, this sweet little girl, I mean, it was so beautiful. Like that last few months, as hard as it was to, it was really beautiful because I really just meditated and felt close to God, you know? Yeah. And, um, this gal, she comes in and she's like, I'm going to call you the sunshine girl. She says, because you, you're beautiful and you glow like the sun. And I, and I had been called that before. So I asked her, I said, what makes you think I look like the sunshine girl? And she goes, because you're kind. And I thought that is more, that's the greatest compliment, yeah. you know, in prison that somebody sees a kind face and, and, um, right up to the end, I met beautiful women. It was such a blessing. You so. did. And you talk a lot about them in your book and, uh, and, and listen, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, outside of prison, you need to, you need to get her book on audible, or if you like listening to, to authors voices, read their own book. This is one I definitely recommend. Uh, uh -huh. but, but the, but the book is just incredible. So I, I want to recommend everybody get it. We'll put a way to, uh, we'll put a link to, to how to buy yeah. it on the show notes. And, well, and uh, if you're, if people are listening to it in prison, look it up on Adobo or Securus because it's available for people in prison as well. So, yeah. All right. Well, what's been, what's been the, what, okay. So you got out in 2019, late 2019, yeah, late 2019. Yep. So, I mean, that was, we've what? Four three and years? a half years. Three and a half years three. now. Yeah. What's, what was the hardest thing to, um, to adjust back to when you got out? Yeah. You know, I know a lot of people talk about like having all the resources I feel like if you do the internal work, that stuff just works out. Like God is with you. He will, you know, every step show, is there for you. The hardest part for me, I felt so alone when I first got out, you know, and I, and I think now, that's now, why. I, in what way? Uh, because, because you mean, you got, you got, you got, Chad, oh, I know. you got kids, yeah, you got, you know, it wasn't so, like so, that. So explain I mean, how you actually yeah, felt lonely. I just felt weird because like you're in prison and your bunks are all by each other and you you're used to asking how your neighbor's doing, yeah. you know, you're there to help each other out. You know, you're so close and just being able to talk about what you're going through or go sit outside with somebody and just visit, you know, and then I get back and it's like your neighbors live a long ways away and they don't know anything about what's going on in your life, you know? Exactly. And I felt alone. And so I started yeah. writing friends in prison. Cause I was like, I miss my connection. Yes. And I mean, I, my husband's great and my kids are great. And it, there was a lot of work to do. Um, and still is to, you know, to make that right, to show up in their lives, honestly, every day. But, um, it was hard. I mean, I think that's why I wrote my book. It's why I went to work in treatment um, I just found something so beautiful, that connection. It helps a lot to stay connected to other people like yourself, other people that are doing the work, people that are incarcerated, people that are struggling with addiction. I just like to openly, honestly talk about problems yeah. and I do it. I just decided at a certain point, like at first I'm like, 
I just threw it out there on social media. I'm like, Hey, I just got out of prison. I'm feeling kind of lonely. <laughs> and people great. are like, Hey, welcome. <laughs> and then pretty soon I'm talking to groups of people and I'm like, I just got out of prison and this is what I'm feeling, you know? And, wow. and so, so yeah, great. that helped just to talk openly and honestly about it because like, you know, someone goes on a mission or goes to college and they come home and everybody celebrates, but you went to prison and you did the work and you yeah. come home and people want to pretend you didn't go. Right. I'm like, Oh right. no, uh-uh. <laughs> I'm talking about it. <laughs> so. I, you know, listen, I, I mean, I know I have a, a nonviolent, I went to prison for DWIs. Uh, and I know a lot of people uh, have told me like, man, you know, why are you so loud about this? Why are you so open about it? And, yeah. and I understand if you have a, if you have a particular crime, you don't want to just talk about all the time, or if you don't want to draw attention to yourself right. because of the crimes you committed, I get that. Uh, but man, I encourage everybody that, that has the ability to, to, to man, to, somebody, somebody needs to hear your story. Somebody right. needs to hear what you've been through. Cause there's somebody out there that's, that may not experience their freedom unless they hear it from your lips, you know? Right. And that's why I tell everybody, man, don't try to, don't try to hide what you've been through. You ain't got to get on stage like I do, or like we do or yeah. write books, but man, don't, don't, don't try to hide and uh -uh. pretend like it never happened because somebody It'll needs to sick. see that somebody needs yeah. to see that scar and right. somebody is not going to, somebody's life is not going to be turned around because they didn't hear it from you, you know, yeah. and, and it's going to take you. And so, um, what uh you i know you said you're writing another book yeah <laughs> uh, are you allowed to like just give a hint of what that's gonna be about yeah yeah um so i have like had a couple of titles i think i'm gonna go with born to be brave <clears throat> but um i've met a lot of people since i got home so i'm gonna talk about some of those experiences halfway house um but also I'm going to go back and it's going to be going back and forth a little bit, which I did a little bit in my book, yeah, yeah. but, but I'm going to talk about some of those childhood experiences too. And what I learned from those. And then, yeah, I, I don't know. I wrote the intro. I've written a few chapters. My dad had a stroke. So that's that, that kind of slowed me down, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's also been beautiful because, you know, spending more time with my parents is, is great. And, um, It'll be, I was hoping to have it released in October this year, but we'll see like yeah. it's, it's in God's hands. So yeah, amen. I, I just keep showing up and then it, it happens when it's supposed to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just, just keep showing up. That's a word for somebody right there. Just keep showing up. Yeah. Just keep showing up. So, uh, before we go, uh, speak to everybody. We, we have a lot of listeners outside of prison, but we have a lot of listeners inside prison. So would you just speak to the, the, the inmate inside prison and you can, you could you could speak just to the the females if you want, or you just speak a general message. But just uh, just yeah. give give them hope and give them uh, give them something to hang on to because people listen to me and they know I'm going to come on every week and encourage them and everything. But sometimes it just takes a special guest to reach one one different person out there or one person going through a, a situation. So just uh, speak to everybody behind bars. Yeah, I would just say, friend, the world is cheering you on. You don't know it yet, but every hard thing you've been through can be your blessing. You can't see a life as beautiful as the one that's waiting for you. And, you know, you have an important purpose on this earth. You, um, you can touch people that I can't. We need you. And I know who you are. And I would just encourage you to find out who you are 
And that hard stuff will give you credibility someday. And I know because I've experienced it. I believe in you and I love you. You're my people and I pray for you. And, and I know that the best is yet to come for all of us and God bless. And that's, that's what I have to say. Amen. Amen. Portia, thank you so much for coming on. Let us do a background check on you and uh, thank you for being you. Thank you for being louder. Uh, thank <laughs> you right. for being brave. Thank you for everything that you, that you've done in your life. You know, uh, I know a lot of times we get the questions about, you know, if you could do it all over again, would you do anything different? You know, and, uh, and, and I don't ever know what to say to that, you know, because, uh, sure. I don't want to hurt anybody. And I hurt a yeah. lot of people with what I did, you know, and, and, and drunk driving drunk, I, I put had the potential to hurt way, even may, way more, right. you know, but I, you know, I don't know if I would be the, the person that I am today, if I hadn't gone through everything I've gone through right. and, uh, if I could go through everything I went through and not hurt, not hurt everybody and still come out to be the man that I am then, uh, then I guess I would want to go back and do it all over again. But, um, but, yeah. you know, thank you for being you, thank you for getting on uh, social media, whatever it was, LinkedIn, you first got on and just, and yeah. you were open, honest, transparent, and, uh, and the world loves that. And, uh, thank you for your first book. I can't wait to read the second and, uh, but thank you for coming on the show and sharing, sharing your story. And we're proud of yeah. you and we can't wait to see what the rest of Portia Lotto's <laughs> life looks like. And, uh, Tell Chad, uh, I, I admire him, uh, yeah. for, for the person that he is and, and even your strong kids as well. They're, yeah. they're incredible. And so, yeah. um, so anyway, thank you, well, thank you. Thanks again. All right. Take care. Thank you, Jay. All right. Just some final thoughts as we wrap up this episode, man, what a great interview. Thanks again, Portia, man. What did you think? what do you think? I mean, I mean, she was very open and honest about what she did and, but you know, just the fact that she let God take over her life, you know, and I love the fact that the book was written almost like a journal, you know, just like a diary. And I, I was just, I'm impressed if, um, if you're out here and you have the ability to go to the show page, check out all the pictures. Listen, if you're uh, in prison or you're listed on Spotify, you'll be able to see the podcast art cover. And I want you to take notice you know, um, of the only time she wasn't smiling was in her county jail picture. All the other times she was smiling. And, and it seems like her smile just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And to the, to the biggest one, which is where she was uh, interviewing with me that day. And I'm just, I'm so thankful for, for people like Portia. And I'm thankful that uh, they were able to go through their prison time with allowing God to use them to the best of their ability. And so let's just lift Portia up in prayer. And if you, if this, if this episode impacted you or you know that it can impact someone, please share it with somebody, share it with somebody, especially if you have people that are headed to uh, federal prison or even state prison. And they're just wondering, you know, man, am I going to make it? What's it going to be like? Um, I know, I know Portia loves pouring into people's lives. So if you have somebody that is headed down the same prison sentence that Portia went and they're, they're wondering, you know, especially if you're a family and you're wondering what your loved one's going through, uh, Portia, I, I asked her if, if I could, you know, send her, uh, send people her way that wanted some encouragement. And she said, yes. So 
if you have somebody waiting to go to trial, waiting to go to prison, and you just need to give them some encouragement or you get your get some encouragement yourself, just let me know, and maybe we can connect you guys with Portia. So uh, let's lift her up in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for Portia. Thank you so much for her story. Thank you for the Jesus story in her. Thank you for what you're doing in her life and through her life and th- through her family. Lord, thank you for her sweet family who was stayed beside her the whole way, Lord, and just was just an example of what you are to us, just waiting with open arms to return. Lord, Father, thank you for the people that she impacted while in prison. I know we she may not even know to the degree that, that she had an impact uh, for the kingdom on people in prison till I don't know, till she gets to heaven. Um, but also for the people that she's impacting on the outside. Thank you so much. Give it, give her more and more opportunities to impact people for you. Uh, break down walls, uh, crush barriers, uh, open doors, close doors that aren't supposed to be open. And just, we lift her up to you, Lord, and bless her and her family. Lord, we lift, we lift up the listener, wherever you're listening from right now, in Jesus' name, I just pray over you. I pray that somehow Portia's story of Jesus would 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 impact your life and and to the point where you make a change uh, if you're already serving the lord maybe you 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 take it to the next level if you're if you're not even saved and you've never given your heart to the lord then i pray that today is the day and i pray that you today you you can pray right now and, and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that jesus christ died on the cross for your sins and rose again on the third day and you will be saved according to the Bible in Romans that verse if you believe in your heart confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for you then you will be saved Lord we lift up everyone that's listening to this story right now families that have given up hope uh, on their loved one in prison Lord people that have made mistakes similar to Porsche's that think man I don't even deserve a second chance Lord I know you're you could be right there with them Give them a hug. Give them what they need for their next chapter. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, it's been fun, y'all. I'll see you uh, Monday morning on Background Check-In, and y'all have a good weekend. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, And please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.